This is the Mouthpiece Podcast. And we're going to talk about Andy Ruiz versus Chris Ariola. This is the day after. And people did, you know, they didn't get why this fight was pay-per-view. Right? They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. They didn't get why people, Fox wanted you to pay for it, why PBC wanted you to pay for it. And the reason why is because it was entertaining. It, they knew it was going to be an entertaining fight. Not all fights that are the best matchups, like with the two best guys, highest rate uh, ranked guys, are pay-per-view. That's not the case. That's not the way the boxing business model has been. It's always the most entertaining and the guy that could sell. Andy Ruiz can sell. Chris Ariola and Ruiz are names, right? Especially a heavyweight. They stand out and people are going to follow and people are going to pay for it. Now, I don't know what the numbers are that it sold, but I'm going to say, I'm going to guess it did all right. I'm going to guess it's oversold what you expected it sold. And it delivered. And the whole card delivered. It was a good card. And let's talk about it. Let's get into Andy Ruiz's fight. Is Andy Ruiz, right, he got dropped in it. And I think because he got dropped in it, that people are just going to kind of be dismissive of him. But what I saw, right, you have to look at it as a whole and everything that happened. He's a guy that could do a lot of things at that weight that a lot of guys can't do. He boxed when he needed a box. He switched it up when he needed to switch it up. He countered. He went to war. He got more defensive. He did a lot of things. And what you got to pay attention to Reynoso, right, when he gets a guy and if they commit to him, like Oscar Valdez, right, they get better. Like um, Ryan Garcia, they get better. They improve over time. And if... If uh, Andrew Ruiz can have the ability to do all these things that I saw him do, because I don't think he was expecting to pull all these tools out. I did not. I, I think that he thought he was going to be able to counterpunch, be aggressive, and counterpunch when uh, Ariola was getting, uh, when he put pressure on Ariola, the Ariola would open up and he'd be able to counterpunch to probably end the night. And when he didn't have to do it, when he got dropped, right, and he had to get defensive, he had to change his style up because Ariola was reading with his right hand. It bring out weapons that it's just like not a lot of guys could do a heavyweight, not a lot of guys are capable of. If you hear noises, it's it's Atticus. You should know. You if you listen to this podcast, you know the drill with him. But yeah, so not a lot of guys are capable of, and he he is kind of like a special talent. It really is. And if you took this fight and he said he got dropped, right, whatever, it's because Ariola came out with one of the best plan game plans, right, with Goosen. It was something that wasn't expected. He was going to box, and I told you going into this fight that Ariola can punch long distance. If any fighter here could punch long distance between these two, it was going to be Ariola, and that's what their plan was. They saw that. Uh, they saw that the um, Anthony Joshua has success with Andy Ruiz when he punched him at distance, when Andy Ruiz was coming in. And he did. He punched him with a straight right hand, dropped him. And that worked for a little bit until Andy Ruiz switched up the game plan, right? Because he had the capability to do that. And that was really the, the truth about this, right? Why is Chris Ariola who he is and why is Andy Ruiz who he is, right? What's the difference to them? Was because Andy Ruiz can do multiple things in the ring. Chris Ariola can't. And him boxing in that fight took all his energy, all his mental strength, everything to keep discipline, to be defensive and box in that fight. And when Gustav said, like, now we're going to apply the pressure, he doesn't have the ability to do that, to mix up strategies mid-fight. You know, when you, t- when you talk about Conor versus Mayweather, one thing Conor said is that Mayweather had three different, he could, three different styles he can do. He was capable of doing three different things. That's because he's an elite fighter. He can do multiple things in the ring and doesn't. And it's, it's hard once you go in there to set a tone, right? I'm gonna box. It, you know the hard thing is, like, say someone's like a boxer, right? But he goes in there and he gets in a war, and then they tell him for three rounds he's in a war, and then they tell him start boxing. It's hard to get out of the energy that you put in and the mental mind state is that you're already in a war to start boxing. Well, Chris Ariola was different. He boxed. Now it was time to go to war, and it was like he had to build up that rhythm again. It was wasn't enough time. He just couldn't do it. He couldn't do it, and. Andy Ruiz was switched it up already that once he figured out that that right hand was coming, he had 
basically started pitching a shutout in that fight. Now, was it competitive? Yes. Was it entertaining? Yes. But Andy Ruiz won clearly, even though he got dropped, right? Even though he got dropped. And people are going to stay looking at that drop and being like, oh, well, he can't beat these guys. He's very capable. And if he fights another guy, it's probably going to be Luis Ortiz, right? Or Kanaki Helena's winner. That he's going to get better. He's going to look better. And he's very capable. But I think that he got dropped and all that. I don't think it hurts him. You know what I mean? I don't think it does. I think that's like the entertainment of him that he can get dropped and all that. But I think he's going to get better. And I see the things he's capable of. Now, coming in, get, cutting off the ring, I still think he has a problem with that. But I think that he'll get better with that with uh, Eddie Ramoso. But he still doesn't uh, work his way in very very well. And I even think like when he went under the shot, he still stood in the same spot. That's where Areola hit him. Because when he dropped, he stood in the same spot. He didn't drop and come in or drop and come out. He just dropped. And stood in the same spot. So I really knew where he was going to be at. But I think this Andy Ruiz could be a problem. If he stays committed. If he stays in that training. If he stays in that gym. And he stays committed to his skill and his craft. And looks to keep uh, the weight off. He can just do th- more things than most fighters can do. He still has a hard time coming in. That's like the, that's the thing that's going to take him to the next spot. Right? Can he work his way in? Under shots. Defensively. Offensively. Can he find his way in inside? Can he gain that ground? But the fact that he could fight going backwards now, that he, he could be defensive, he could be a counterpuncher, I just can't stop thinking about the performance just thinking how good he looked. He looked amazing. It was a great fight for him. I think going next, if it's Luis Ortiz, that's a great fight. That's a great fight. And if this one sold well, then him and Luis Ortiz will sell well as well. And you have a pay-per-view guy. And, and time was really rare to get a pay-per-view guy. Like, boxing doesn't have a lot of pay-per-view guys. Right now, what does it have? Tyson Fury, Anthony Joshua, which Anthony Joshua's name really... To me, has I don't even think he's been a pay-per-view guy in the States, right? So you got, what, Tyson Fury, uh, Dante Wilder, uh, depending on the opponent. Tyson Fury, depending on the opponent. Um, Javante Davis, Canelo, Earl Spence. Honestly, it's like about it. Like, pay-per-view stars in boxing, that's about it. Like, it's, it's rare right now. So... If Ruiz sells well on this, right? I'm talking about 200 to 400 buys. They're gonna the next one will be on there too. And if it's Luis Ortiz, a better even a, a considerable better opponent than Ariola, then that's gonna probably sell as well. So let's go to the undercard of this fight, right? You had um, Omar Figueroa versus Abel Ramos, and this one exactly how I thought it was gonna go. I told you that Figueroa is off balance with the defense. He stays on one side. He makes too many mistakes, and the Abel Ramos is better than what his record shows or his past performances show. He's always competitive against all really tough opponents, and he when the opponent's supposed to win, he usually, he does beat. And this is what he looked at, and he looked better this fight, but it's probably because of Omar Figueroa's, you know, uh, they were saying like in during the fight, like, oh, you can't hit him when he does that. You can't hit him when he does that. That's ridiculous. It's he's he's all on one side, and the problem is when he like moves to one side, he really dedicates, like he really. Uh, Goes to one side. He really like um. What is that? What word I'm looking for? He I don't know, he really commits to one side. So like to so say he's going, he's doing his head movement, and then he commits all the way to one side, right? Well, when he commits all the way over the side, and he's over his hips and over his knees, right to that one side, and the guy swings at you, you have nowhere else to go. That means you have nowhere else to ride that punch out. So that you're just catching the whole brunt end of that punch. That's what started happening. At first it was working, but then after a while, it, the defense wasn't working with the offense because. The shots when he got hit were full force, full brunt. And that's exactly what happened. Abel Ramos just started landing full brunt shots. And the, this was a, a, a beautiful chance for Abel Ramos to get back uh, to a good fight at, one four, at 147, 
right? He can get a good fight at 147. He's entertaining. He has a good style. He's a talented fighter, and he has an impressive win on the fight under Carter Ruiz Ariola. So I, I thought that was exactly how it was supposed to play out. It played out. Now, does Abel Ramos have anything? Does he do anything fantastic? No, right? So he's going to have to be a guy that's just good at everything and solidifies his defense and fights smart and all those things. It's going to be a tough route for him to be, you know, a legit threat 147. I don't think he'll probably ever beat that, but he can be a guy that's entertaining to watch that could fight some of the top guys and eventually probably be a guy for like a prospects to, to you know, to get their shot to see if they can last with the top guys at 147. I, I really like this performance for him. I think Omar Figueroa is about done, honestly. I just I can't see it getting any better for him. I thought this was kind of like a you know, a win or go home type of fight. I'm sure Figueroa will, you know, probably give it another shot, another go at it, but you're going to start seeing him on prelims and stuff like that because he just, he, he has not showed up against top com- top competition. Next fight we got is Sebastian Fondora versus Jorge Colta. And Sebastian Fondora, I, I knew he was going to win. I put a big bet on him for this fight, right, with my fake money, real bets. And he has... The makings to be special, right? But this kind of performance, right? Even though he won, even though he won in a dominant fashion when he got to it, he just still got hit, right? And because of his height and he can't go under shots, he will at moments be defensively liable, right, on the inside because he's kind of in the same spot. And if he opens up a combo... He can't move. He can't go into the shots. I knew he wasn't going to be able to go into the shots of Jorge Cota. And Cota landed some good shots. And I'm not saying Cota doesn't land on everybody, but I'm just saying, like, the top of the top, you can't get hit with big shots like that. Not from, like, Charlo. Not from, uh, you know, um, uh, Rosario. You, you, you can't get big shots. Like, you can't have them land big shots like that. And that's the one thing I worried about. And that's why, I, like, when I, I remember I had picked an upset against Fondora. Um, when he took like a first really big step up, because I was just thinking like he's just there to be hit when he's on the inside, so he's t- he's too tall. And I thought Cotto kind of brought that out, and I thought he would do that because he loops his shots, and and Fondora wouldn't be able to go under him. So he's gonna have to work fighting from distance, which he does at times, and you can see it that it's possible to do, but he doesn't do it consistently, right? And I think he's more than willing to go to war. And at the elite part of it, you can't really be willing to go to war all the time. You have to make guys earn that, and sometimes he doesn't make them earn that. And he goes to do that. Now, that was a, this was a great win for him, but it's going to get tougher for him. I like him versus Abel Ramos. I really like that fight next. Him versus Abel Ramos is, to me, the fight to make. It makes all the sense in the world. And then that winner of that goes against a, a, a top challenges a, a legit top guy. That, that Those guys can eliminate each other right there. I really like that fight. Jorge Cotto versus, um, I'm sorry, Abel Ramos 147. Fondora... At 154, who can he fight at 154? Why was I thinking Abel Ramos 147? Was that 154? Uh, at 154 for Sebastian Fondora, it, it's got to go up. You know what I mean? The level of competition has to go up on the thi- on the, uh, for him because he's already beat the guys below him. He's already made that step. I mean, he's young and everything, but when you make those leaps, you can't go backwards. You kind of have to keep going forward. So I, I don't know who they match him up with. There's a lot of guys, but a lot of real good guys at that weight class. You know what I mean? What about... Um, Oh, no, I know you match him up with. Who's the guy that? Perella. You match him up with Perella. Perella just got the draw against Tony Harrison. Yeah, you match him up with Perella. That fight makes a lot of sense. And they're both two tall guys, and Perella wants to box. 
and Fondora is going to look to come forward. I think that's inter- that's a really interesting fight. I really like that fight, and I think that that's one that should be made. I'm going to say that right now. Um, Fondora is all going to be whether he can both fight in the inside and box. Can he consistently get a uh, you know being able to fight in the outside? Let's go to the uh, the next card. So we're going to the Chisora Parker card, right? Chisora Parker was see the the media is a little bit you know they're deceptive. Right, they're deceptive on the what they do and how they say things. And there's some guys that are really pro PBC. I don't understand why people get with promoters. Like why they, uh, if you're talking about boxing, why do you care about the promoters? I don't care. Right, I want all promoters to succeed. I just want to know who's putting out the best fights and the best product. Right. And they were talking about this fight here in the states, and they're saying, "Oh, you know, this is a pay per view. It's not a pay per view card. It's like it's not a pay per view card for us. It's on the zone. What are you talking about?" It's on. It's free on the zone. Not free on the zone, but if you pay for the zone, the ten bucks a month, whatever it is, you get the fight. Okay, it's it's pay per view in England or Europe, wherever they're having it, right? Because those guys are stars over there. So I don't get why they kept saying they're like this isn't a pay per view. Don't worry about it. It's not pay per view for us. It's the stupidest thing to say. But it was actually a decent card, right? So Bivol was in a competitive fight. He won clearly. He, uh, the guy was, I think, tougher than people expected him to be, right? But he won. And then you had um, Eubanks, who, for some reason, had the guy out in the second round and pulled back to gain rounds, which was one of my least favorite things to do, right? Eubanks could have left with a dominant second round KO, had the highlight, could have left that in people's minds, but he didn't. And he ends up like in a lackluster 10-round uh, decision, right? So that was a huge mistake, I thought. But the fight that, to me, the, the, the Katie Taylor and Natasha Jonas and the uh, Chisora Parker... To me, made the fights all well worth it. Even if you paid pay per view, Kate Taylor, Natasha Jonas paid for it alone was your pay per view worthy, right? And I knew that going in. This was my fight of the weekend. I thought this would be the best fight of the weekend. And what you had was Kate Taylor versus Natasha Jonas. And the why I picked Kate Taylor to win this fight was the exact same reason she won. Now I said right when I bet this, right? I said it was, uh, I believe it was plus six hundred. Let me see here. Yeah, uh, minus six hundred for Kate Taylor. And I said that you had to put a big bet on it, but it's a for sure win. But I thought it'd be a competitive fight. And that's like kind of like counterproductive of itself. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't kind of make sense. But the way the fight played out is exactly how I thought it'd play out. I thought Natasha Jones was going to be tough in this fight. But I thought Kay Taylor is the bigger person. She's faster. Right? She's more active. And for all those reasons, right? And her having the size advantage, that I knew Natasha Jones was not going to be able to put her out. So then over the long haul, that's going to win the decision for Katie Taylor every time. And that's exactly how the fight played out. Even though it was competitive, it played out exactly how I said it would play out. Now, Katie Taylor, I think that Natasha Jones exposed something, right? Because she has that, you know, she kind of just punches one-twos like all day. And she just tries to go fast and sprint on you. But the problem is that you could time it. And Natasha Jones was timing that like pretty bad, right? There was a point that was pretty clear Natasha Jones Timing in your worst points where you're worried, like, oh, she's landing pretty big shots. Is Kate Taylor gonna, you know, be able to withstand these? But Kate Taylor's size and her skill and her heart pulled through late rounds, especially, and she just muscled her way through a decision. That's what she did. So Natasha Jonas, who's a very talented fighter, very skilled, just can't seem to get over the hump. And I think it's because she lacks the the physical traits in these kind of fights where she could be game-changing, right? Where she lands a big shot and hurts someone or she's able to flurry on someone. And I don't know if she ever gets that. Maybe she started off too late to, you know, build uh, other tools. She's a 
very, very skilled fighter, but there's other things that she needs to add dimensions to her game. And Katie Taylor's just kind of going to beat you on her speed, her her wheelpower, her, her, her fast feet. She's going to beat you on all those things. And Jonas, just she had moments in the fight, but Katie Taylor, like I said, she has those God-given things that really push over the top. Now, Kay Taylor, I would love to see her fight Terry Harper. I think Terry Harper's a little smaller than her, but I think that that's, to me, is a really good fight. Uh, Michaela Mayer is a really good fight. Amanda Serrano is a really good fight. There are there are fights for her there, right? And especially with Natasha Jones, too, is she has those fights there. These girls, if they have to all fight each other and fight each other over and over again, they should do that because the skill level and everything it makes it entertaining. That's what you have to do. If the, the depth's not there, then they all got to keep fighting each other. And if there's money to be made for it, why not? right? Natasha Jonas should definitely get another chance at Katie Taylor or another chance at one of these girls, right? Even, um, you know, who's there is McCaskill too. Uh, you know, so all these people are right there in the similar weights that are close to each other. That fight definitely has to, these fights definitely have to happen. And I see, uh, you know, the, I see the next wave of, you know, starting for the, the female fighters. And I, I was excited. I thought this was the best fight of the weekend. This is a, you know, a candidate for fight of the year, in my opinion. Now, I don't know if people feel that way, but I just thought, you got to put in skill, too, when you put these fight of the years. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of fights, right, where there's two guys and their their skill level so low that they just slug it out, right? And I know people say, oh, that's fight of the year. I don't think so. I, I not, That's not how I put my fight of the year. My fight of the year is m- most action and with the with plus highest skill level. I want both. I want, that's what usually, like, I remember Paul Williams versus Sergio Martinez was my fight of the year when that fight happened. Because the skill level was so high in that fight. It was two talented fighters and a lot of action. It was like you couldn't get any better than that. That's what I saw with Kate and Tosh Jonas. It was the skill level was high and the entertainment level was high. It's definitely a candidate for me for fight of the year. Next we have Joseph Parker versus Derek Chisora. And I knew that this fight would be competitive. I didn't think it was going to be as entertaining as it was. But I knew it would be competitive because Joseph Parker... Everything he allows to happen is everything Chisora wants to happen, right? And Chisora's still going to, I knew he was going to walk through, and he was going to walk through some big shots, right? Some fast shots from Joseph Parker, but he was going to get majority of his work in. And that's what happened in this fight. He dropped actually Joseph Parker right away. Now, the behind the head shots were pretty rapid in this fight, but it's pretty questionable too if you've got the guy's turning his head on purpose. What's rabbit shots at that point? But Chisora got to work, pushed him back. He, he did his thing. I know he was dead tired or he looked tired in the corner, but he was still working. He still outworked Joseph Parker, no matter how he looked, right? doesn't matter what, how he looked. It's all about the performance that happens between the bells. And that's what happened. Jesora outworked Joseph Parker. Now, Joseph Parker had moments, but not enough. Not enough, right? He, if we're talking about ring generalship, Joseph Parker doesn't know what he wants to do in the ring. He wants to flurry with two punches, but he never has, feels like he has control of the ring. He never feels like he has control of the fight or the fight's going the way he wants it to go. It just never feels that way. Never does. So, to me, I thought it was a clear Derek Chisora win. I think Derek Chisora felt that way. Eddie Hearn felt that way. Some people disagreed, right? They had it closer. The scorecards were ridiculous. The scorecards had Joseph Parker and a landslide. Horrible scoring. And if England and Europe and all that don't change that, right? And we have to change all around in boxing. To be fair, it's not just them. But I'm just saying that people are going to be less likely to go fight, you know, across the pond if that's the kind of scores that we're getting. I just... It's not good. It's not good for boxing. And Chisora, whether you thought he won or not, you have to admit that's a close fight. At least, right? At least you have to admit that's a close fight. And the scores are like that. That's no good. And I don't know. It's a you know, it's a broken record. We keep talking about it, right? They keep talking about what they can do. Uh, 
we, what they can do and change this. And they, they have to grade the judges. The judges have to be graded at the end of this. And someone has to say like, well, no, don't use that judge because he's a B minus judge and he's a C plus judge. We have to have a grading system on them that rates them because we can't just keep throwing these guys out there and just hoping that they like what they're going to see. And also there should be a scouting part on them where they say like, well, this guy prefers this kind of action. So, you know, when you go into a fight, what you're going to get, what you, what you expect to get, like the guy, the pressure is going to win. The guy that puts the most pressure is going to win. The guy that boxes is going to win. The guy that controls the ring. We should have all that knowledge going into this fight. Because right now, the guessing game of what they're looking for, it doesn't help boxing. It hurts it. And we need more information. Going into the going to UFC now, we got uh, Dominic Reyes versus Jerry. And Jerry is like the next, uh, the next, I guess, you know, he's the, the hot prospect, I guess, at at 205. Now, he has a lot of fights and he has a really interesting style and it really stands out and he got a highlight real knockout over Reyes. I'm not buying this. I'm not buying the stock on uh, Jerry, right? I, I think I've seen this too many times. And if you have bad positioning on defense and when you take shots, you are in bad position when you take shots and your hands are down and you're, you're off balance and everything, it's going to make you, someone's going to make you pay for it. Just like, uh, what's his name? Wheeler. What was his name? Uh, yeah, I think Wheeler, right? Just like him, just like a few guys, right? Like uh, Gaethje when he first came out. You cannot just come and take shots and then, you know, have bad discipline, bad technique on defense. You can't. Now, you can make a little run, right? He's making a little run right now. But he was hurt, like, really bad in that fight. And then Dominic Reyes went for a Gaethje and put himself in a really bad position at that moment. But he was hurt really bad. Even though he was putting a, a, a beat down on Reyes... Right, he was still hurt really bad, and there was moments where, you know what I mean, like where he could have been finished. And I think if it was a, a more skilled fighter than Reyes, which Reyes is, Reyes is he's got like a little bit of the basics, but it's not, it's not beyond that. He's kind of just like, he's like if you created a, a character and you only get the basic moves, you don't have anything else. You can't, you know, throw hooks. You can't loop, throw uppercuts. You guys don't know how to do that yet. He just has A and B. And that's what Reyes sticks with. He sticks with A and B. And that's okay. You know what I mean? It worked against John Jones. But when stuff starts going where you got a trade and a lot of fast actions happening, that's going to fall apart. And you don't have other elements to your game. That's what happened. He, the guy was more confident than him. And Jerry's super confident, right? Because he hasn't been made pay for these mistakes yet. So he's super confident in what he's doing. That's why he's able to get in there. But as the, his career will go on, he will be caught by guys and he'll be slept. And when he gets knocked out, he will not be the, he will disappear just like how Reyes disappeared, just how Aunt, uh, Wheeler disappeared. All these guys disappear. All these guys disappear because they have bad, huge flaws in their game. And if you don't say that his defense is a huge flaw, it is. It's a horrible flaw. I understand he's confident right now, but it's a horrible flaw. And we have to be honest with it. And I'm going to be honest with it. So I'm not buying that stock. I'm not saying he's gonna, he's not going to have no dominant run because guys are going to catch him. He's going to be a win-some-lose-some type of guy because he catches the guys and they're going to catch him. And that's the way it's going to be. So Jerry gets to win this time. And I pick Ray's in this fight. But I just, I see it. You know what I mean? And Reyes falls apart because he doesn't have other the other dimensions to his game. He doesn't have anything creative to his game. He's kind of just really basic and when the guys start flurring on him, he kind of, you know, reverts to like, uh, reverts to like amateurism and panics, and his guard is just gets pierced through, and he kind of just takes shots. So 
I think I think Jan would be problems for Jerry. Honestly, he's 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 more uh, he's a little more patient, but he hits really hard. And I think that if you're gonna take shots from him like that, and you're gonna try to ride him through like that on your chin. I don't think it's gonna work against Jan. Honestly, I think I think Jan would probably sleep Jerry. But we're gonna see going forward. I think Jerry, I I he's close to a title shot because two hundred five is kind of you know no depth in it whatsoever. So he's close to a title shot. But you got Jan versus Glover, so he's probably gonna have to have another fight. I mean, I can't even think of who's at two hundred five for him to fight. You know what I mean? I don't. There's two hundred five is pretty thin. It's a really thin weight class, weight division, but he because it's so thin, he might get a title shot. You know what I mean? Honestly, he might get a title shot. I just cannot see that working against Jan, who hits hard and takes a good shot himself, right? So he's not going to fold like Reyes did. I I want. I'm actually really interested to see that fight because I know the hype train's about to start on Jerry, and I'm just not going to buy it. You guys hear me right now? I did not buy a ticket for the hype train for Jerry. Okay, let's get to my fake money, real bets. Right, my fake money, real bets. So I want Taylor over Jonas, five hundred k, minus six hundred. That won me eighty three k. It was a competitive fight. I understand. At points, it was you know, it's for minus six hundred. You'd probably say at points it was you know risky. It seemed like not to me. It kind of went the exact same way. The exact same way I thought it was gonna go. Uh, Fondor over Colta. Now that was competitive and. Fundor did get hit with some big shots. I told you he was going to get hit with big shots, but I knew that over time, Colter got hit with way more big shots. He was way more de- open defensively. I knew Fundor could do more. So I took him 500K at minus 1,000, so that won me another 50K. Abel Ramos over Figueroa. I took that 100K minus 160. I told you the Figueroa got hit too much, and Abel Ramos was too disciplined and hit too hard and put shots and was it had a good offense to put it on Figueroa, and I knew Figueroa wouldn't. I knew Figueroa wouldn't last those uh, wouldn't last past those shots, uh, so that won me sixty three k. I did have a parlay right. I had Taylor, Chisora, Fondora, Ruiz, Ramos, and Reyes. I was close on that. That was seventeen k plus one old uh, plus one thousand thirty three to win one hundred seventy six k. Chisora should have won that decision. He got robbed. Fondora won. Ruiz won. Ramos won. Taylor won. And Reyes had him hurt. Had Jerry hurt. And he went for a stupid guillotine, and he tried to muscle it through, even though there was an arm in between them. He tried to muscle that through, which that guillotine almost rarely works, where you have the arm in between the hold. So I was closer on that. Than, like I, I, that, one, that one almost hit. That would have been 176K for me. But that's all right. I, I walked away. I minus 17, but I won 63, 50, so it's 113 plus 83, so 193, 196K minus 17, so 179K. I won this weekend, right? So I'm now up, I think I'm like 1.3 something, right? I'm up from, I remember I dropped down. I know I started at one, but I dropped down all the way to three. So I'm back to 1.3 something, okay? I I want basically a million dollars in bets. And remember, I know you're saying, I'm not betting that much. I know if you bet 60, it's still winning something, right? So if I double, if I get to 2 million, I would have doubled whatever you betted. You got to understand that. You got to use it, you know, you got to use the scale to it. So I'll be back later this week. Got more fights coming this weekend, of course. And uh, Canelo fight this weekend. So I'll break that all down and show you how Canelo's going to win that fight. Because Canelo's going to win that fight. I get a spoiler right now. But I'll show you how. I'll tell you how he's going to do it. Thank you guys for listening.